0: Here are strong words from Peter. It's found in his second letter, third chapter, verse 9. You can turn there if you like. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Now notice this next phrase. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 6.7 billion people in the world, and it is God's heart that not one of them would perish. The word perish, it means to be destroyed or to die. So if you read the New Living Translation, if you read uh, the New American Standard, the message paraphrase, you will see the word perish developed to mean destroyed or death. It's not God's heart that anyone would die Without him, that anyone would be destroyed by sin. It's his heart that none perish, but that all would come to repentance. John chapter 3, verse 15 says that everyone who believes may have eternal life. It's God's heart to give life, not death. It is God's heart that we have life and have it to the full, not that we would perish in our sins So here was his plan. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, be destroyed, but have eternal life. John continuing to write says, Jesus came to give life. Matter of fact, Jesus did not come into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the heart of God, and that must be the heart of the church, and So Jesus began to describe us as his people, as light of the world, salt of the earth. That we would extend the influence of this message, this grace, this gospel to everyone that we would see. That we would use our one and only life to try to influence people with the message of life, eternal life, life. To the full. What's stirring in my heart today is the word influence and how that leads to invitation. Let me take you to the vision picture, the vision schema of our church. We have core values. One is worship. Two, we want to connect and grow. It's called discipleship. And number three, we want to do outreach. Now, you can't see yourself as being a worshiper but not a witness you can't see yourself as being excited about connecting but not necessarily so excited about soul winning no my friend we're running on all of these lanes all of the time if we only worship we will become bizarre not effective please hear that study church history study churches that all they wanted to do was worship it gets real inwardly focused And it tends to become bizarre because they have lost the missional purpose of why they worship. We worship because in an atmosphere of worship, we're reminded how great God is, which fuels our witness, which fuels our motivation to tell people about him. We are strengthened in a context of worship. So we maintain a resolve to win those people who have such a hard heart. If all we do is connect kind of form a huddle within the church family and we never break that huddle with a passion for the lost, then my friend, that too will become an infection rather than an impact upon the church. If all we do is gain more information, but we don't grow spiritually so that it positions us with a greater ability to have a word in season to the people we're trying to see saved, then we miss the whole purpose of spiritual growth and we become like the Dead Sea. We have inlets but no outlets and we stagnate even in our success. So do you see the passionate call of the saviors that we worship, that we connect and grow so that the light shines brighter and the salt has a greater influence? That is... Strong words from Peter when he said that it was the heart of Christ that none, not even one, would perish. Back to that screen, the word influence, which leads to invitation. You see, Jesus handed off the stewardship of the influence, the witness, the story to his church. And because that early church was such a good steward of the influence, It gave them opportunity after opportunity to invite people to come to know Jesus. And the church was being added to every day. You read through the book of Acts and you'll see 3,000 on opening day brought into the kingdom of God. Not long after that, another 5,000. Day by day, they were being added. It moves from addition to multiplication, exponential growth, because the early church had such a careful stewardship of their influence, the influence of their story, the influence of their redemptive history, the influence that then gave them the opportunity to invite people. You see, they took it seriously, that it was the Lord's desire that none perish. Influence, let's talk about it. When you go to the Grand Canyon, you think about how long it must have taken for the river water of the great Colorado, to cause this canyon, millions of acres. If you've ever been there, you you stand in a hushed awe of creation, power. You see, what I'm saying is that the Grand Canyon has presence, and that presence has influence. Compare the Grand Canyon and the hushed awe that you have looking at it with Ground Zero. As ashes cover downtown New York, body bags brought out. A hushed horror comes over you, very unlike when you're standing at the Grand Canyon. At the Grand Canyon, you're thinking about magnificence, you're thinking about inspiration, and there you think about evil, darkness. You see, it has a presence, it has an influence. This church has an influence. It has presence within this community. And how we steward that influence will impact the way people perceive us, which then leads to an opportunity of invitation for them to come to know Jesus. What Pam has just said is that that influence is drilling down, and and she Repeated this whole idea. of You just kept showing up. That stewardship. Of influence. That's given us opportunity. To have invitation. To where this becomes. The home church of her daughter. And we have that ministry opportunity. Stewardship. Walk with me. Right into the Lincoln Memorial. If you've been there. You know what I'm talking about. It's strong, it's powerful, it has presence, influence. As you look into the face of our 16th president, your mind races to the kind of resolve he had in order to lead our country through a civil war. And then you begin to read that second inaugural address that's engraved on the wall. And a silence fills that place. And you realize that his influence was not only profound then, but it's still profound. Because when you steward influence, it lasts. But you can steward that influence in a very negative way. Or a very positive way. This is why I talk about my fourth grade Sunday school teacher. This is why in each core value I have talked about Sister Westerfield. I want you to know that this lady literally made me as a fourth grader wish that every day was Sunday. That's how strong the influence. She taught me the Ten Commandments. They came alive. They were not all, no longer words on a, on a, posted on a wall somewhere. They were not just a poster that came with the curriculum that could be displayed in a classroom. When she taught them, stewarding her gifts and her time, they came alive. I've talked to you right out of Psalm 23, the very lessons I learned that she taught me as a fourth grader. The influence of this lady, I remember her eyes, I I remember her face, I remember her presence. She stewarded her influence. And I'm still talking about her today. She's been dead for many years. But her influence lives on in my life. I can't read Psalm 23 without recalling what it was like being in that classroom when she taught it. I remember how her face quivered as tears came down her cheeks as she was moved by the words she was teaching. Stewardship of influence that gave her an opportunity to invite me to go deeper in Jesus, to walk with a greater passion and fervency. Talk to you about our church because our church has presence. It has influence. But we're going to have to steward that influence as we move forward. You've been doing it, but we've got to keep doing it. We started reflecting on yesterday. But think of just a few months ago when Over 500 of you gathered to pack bags so that people will probably never meet until we get to heaven, could have a meal. I wonder how many children have had something to eat in recent months because you showed up and you served, which was a stewardship of influence that fed someone who was actually hungry and starving. And who knows the message of the gospel That was attached to that. And how many may have had their heart turned to Christ. Because influence always leads to invitation. I think about our own food pantry. I mean we have a house. Right downtown. Where we distribute food. We distribute clothing. More people than we've ever served before through that ministry are being served now. It's a stewardship of influence and it creates all kinds of conversations that can lead to an invitation to either Christ or one of the three weekend services that we have here at the assembly. Christmas gift giveaway. If you were there, you can never forget this. You'll never forget that little girl who for three years wanted a bicycle for Christmas and her mom couldn't afford it. We took Every girl who attended put their name in a hat, drew out a name. It was her name, and she got a purple bicycle, which was what she had always wanted. Her mom is standing there with tears coming down her face saying, another year had come, I couldn't afford it. She not only gets a bicycle, it's exactly the color she wanted. That was a stewardship of influence that led to the opportunity of conversation and invitation. We continue on, and you think not only about those great events, but think with me about the mobile medical. Now pulls up when I arrived yesterday at Indian Springs. That mobile medical truck was backing in when I went into the room that we use for all of the residents to come to as they get registered and. They get in a line so that their name can be called to go out to see the doctor. The room was packed with people. People from this church are going person to person, just encouraging, influencing, praying, blessing. At the same time, we're outside with another team of people giving backpacks. Children who are out there just having a good time. And let me tell you what one kid said. I don't know that I'll forget this. One kid walks up and says, y'all are the people who always come here. Isn't that great? Why would a kid say that? Because we've been stewarding influence. And don't you know, that just threw the door open to talk about, well, who we are and why we do that. And where might he be in his concept of Jesus Christ and in his Open this to Jesus Christ and the power of Jesus to save him, change him and and just literally take him to places he never dreamed possible. Car care clinic that every month serves, prison ministry that makes a difference and it's not easy to do any of these. People are so faithful it's the stewardship of influence, and God is using it. Have you been involved in one of these? Have you given? Because if you have, you've been part of the influence. What I'm sensing in my heart is the power of life. The Holy Spirit is a life-giving spirit. The Holy Spirit inspires and encourages. And so the stewardship of influence is letting people begin to taste what they don't have. And then the conversation, the relationship teaches them how they too can have it. Because it's God's will that none would perish. They would have this life. The word Pentecost, and we are a Pentecostal church, means harvest. So that we would have a harvest of new believers who are coming to life in Jesus. They're coming alive out of their spiritual death. Since I've been here, I, I've wanted the story of this church to be told creatively. I've wanted a way to to go more public than we've ever gone and just had to wait on the right timing and the resources and the time and the resources have come. And what we are going to do even today in the 12 o'clock hour, we're setting it aside to create a commercial that's going to show like a movie trailer in the the whole idea is influence. When, when it comes on, people will not know that they're watching what is going to ultimately be an invitation to a church. See, even right now, we've got a media team at an emergency room, and they're collecting shots that are going to be part of this. We'll have one part of it that's right here in the sanctuary. We'll tape it at 12 o'clock, and we need all of you here. And then a group of us will go to a local cemetery where we will finish all of the different shots that will then be edited together and you are going to see this one main character who has the challenges of life and the whole commercial develops that that in Christ she can come alive. That is influence. Influence if I could influence this community with anything about Christ, with anything about this church, is that if you will taste and see that the Lord is good, you can come alive. Depression, addiction, divorce, pain, misery, heartache, grief, it is rampant, but it does not separate the potential of Jesus Christ to speak life, bring life, inspire life into the hearts of thousands of people. You can come alive. One part is you can come alive in Jesus. Come to the assembly and you can meet him and you can come alive. So it's influence, it's invitation, it's invitation to Jesus. It's invitation to the 9, 10, 30 or 12 o'clock service. You see, to steward our influence right now means that every single one of us in the days and weeks to come will steward our own story of influence on everyone we see. Let it lead to an invitation to know Jesus Let it lead to an invitation to one of three services on a Sunday. And just watch what God will do in a Pentecostal, through a Pentecostal church, as we see harvest. Harvest. Came into my fourth grade Sunday school class not knowing what to expect. We've gone through weeks of pushing our chairs against the wall and acting out the scripture that our teacher so powerfully communicated. When we come in this Sunday, there are certain rows, rows of chairs like we'd not seen before. They were rows of about four chairs, as many rows from the front to the back of the class as she could get. Every chair is full, and she gets out candy bars. And she gives to the first two rows a candy bar. The last several rows, they didn't get anything. We're fourth graders. We're watching our friends eat candy bars. After they finish, she goes back down both of those rows and gives them another candy bar. But the rest of us remain Sitting there wishing we had a candy bar. They finished the second candy bar. She goes down the same two rows and they get a third candy bar. The rest of us still wishing we could have a candy bar. And then the teacher started to teach she said, you're going to grow up in a church world and if you're not careful, all you'll ever do is serve the first two rows. While so many others wish they too could taste and see how good Jesus Christ really is. Probably all of you have been on a plane and you've heard the flight attendant talk about in case the cabin loses pressure, the mask would come down. I hope you never have to experience that actually happening. I know of a guy who was on a plane and suddenly every mask on the plane came down. They all start freaking out. They're thinking the cabin has lost pressure. But this one guy, his mask didn't come down. The person beside him puts on the mask. I can remember Connor being just a little boy sitting beside me. We're on a plane. The flight attendant is talking about that. And when the flight attendant said, parents of kids, if the cabin loses pressure, you put your parent, you put your mask on first, and then you help your child. If I'm standing in front of you, Connor looked up at me and said, Dad, put mine on first. And I said, Connor, she just said that if we have to do this, I have to put mine on first and then help you. And Connor looked at me and he asked, is this a safe place for kids? (laughs) I thought, you know, what goes through a little kid's mind when a flight attendant is talking about, they don't even know what, you know, it just looks weird. It just looks pretty scary. And they're putting it on and so... This guy, his mask doesn't come down. The person next to him puts theirs on. And he he hits, he does everything to get his mask to drop, and it won't drop. And finally, he looks at the person sitting beside him and says, Give me some of yours. And the person pulled the mask out and says, Get your own. <laughs> when you breathe in. Essential. But if all you do is breathe in, breathe in and breathe in and breathe in and breathe in, ultimately it'll kill you. As a local church, if all we do is take in, we worship, we connect, we grow, we worship, we connect. We grow, but we never influence with that which we have received. We let a community say, let me have some of yours. And we say, get your own. Then all of our receiving, what will happen is we'll start the first sign of a church that's just receiving. They'll start complaining about non-essential stuff. That when you're in the real missional purpose and you're trying to help people come from darkness to light, you don't have time to get worried, concerned, out of sorts over the non-essentials. How many churches are in factions and disunity today over the non-essentials. They're just, they got their mask on and their cities are dying and going to hell. And they're saying, get your own. We're trying to see who's going to win over the color of the carpet in the bathroom that nobody ever even goes into. First two rows. She says, if you're not careful, you'll grow up in a church where all you do is serve the first two rows. I pray with all of my heart that we would steward our influence. Let me take you back to the two key words. That you would think of your story. Who have you witnessed to lately? Who have you on, in a purposeful way, try to influence with your story of grace who have you invited to come to know Jesus lately who have you invited to one of the three services that we have every sunday I, i'm calling on you calling on you to influence and invite influence and invite influence And invite. Go beyond the first two rows. Don't just receive, give. I thought, how fitting for us to have communion today where we pause and reflect and we give time to consider what was done that we might receive Christ. To rehearse the blessings of knowing Jesus, the blessings of His Word, His presence, His church. The hope of eternity with him. Just rehearse all the blessings. All that we have received. And to take communion. To receive communion together. Where we are reminded of the shed blood. And the body of Christ. Hanging on that cross. So we could be redeemed. Receive. Take in. But then to be passionately stirred. By the Holy Spirit. To then go and give serve, witness, influence, and invite. Can you imagine a church where everyone who would call this church their church, who calls themselves followers of Christ, can you imagine if we all did this? That we lived missionally and we as a church lived missionally. Can you imagine Would you look at the seats around you that are empty? That maybe someone you invite could be in those seats next Sunday, the Sundays to come. We'll invest our very best in making this commercial as effective as it can be. And I believe in it and we're going to do it. There'll be a 30-second spot on many television stations, a one-minute Spot that will go on the social networks. You can take it. You can spread it. It can be viral. But I want to tell you nothing. That commercial will never be more effective than you. Will we delegate our invitations to our community to a commercial? Will we delegate the responsibility of harvest? to social networks and who may stumble on it or will we personally own it and we'll just let that serve as another tool in our belt, another weapon in our arsenal that if we're talking to someone and, and, and they say, you know what, I, I saw a commercial. Door opens, influence made, invitation given. We seize it as an opportunity it just, maybe it's like an air war. Maybe it's on the airwaves and it's, it's, it's some shock and awe. But then here we come as the ground troops to do what only ground troops can do. To receive communion and then to be passionately stirred to go and give people the story. As those serving communion take their places As our worship team returns, we're going to settle our heart. We are not finished, and I'm going to ask everybody to remain very focused. And if you're not on one of these serving teams, just remain in your seat because this service is not over. We've just come to such a significant part, and that's where we honor God and we reflect on his sacrifice for us, and we receive communion. Influence, invitation. Would you close your eyes in God's presence with me?